The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to the 260th episode of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good, 260. We're putting up some big numbers here. That's, yeah, we ought to be somewhat close to actually 300. Well, you know, it was always, can we do more than Zion Williamson's games played? But that's like, we're lapping him now. We're he's way a, ahead of Zion. There's no chance Zion even gets to 260, probably. Is that right? He's at, I mean, one, he's at 114 now after four seasons. Wow. I think if you had told me like his, like if you had set an over-under at like 100, I think I would have taken under. Like, is that crazy? Or Well, now we got to catch up to his weight. He's 284. <laughs> No chance he's 284. He's way heavier. That'll be the battle. Us, episode for episode, him pound for pound. Who gets to 300 first? Or you think he's there? Oh, he's he's 300. There's no no chance he's not 300. There's no chance. I'm always so bullish on the Zion and even the Pelicans as a team. But it's like, you look at that number. 114 games in four seasons. It's less than 30 games a year. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the concern, I think, is that it's always like, you know, it's a lower body injury. And like we kind of got into this with Joel Embiid back when we first started that, like, at some point you just can't rely on somebody. And the Sixers have been fortunate Embiid has been largely healthy, you know, like after that. He's not been super yeah. reliable in big moments, but. He's well, and also, there. yeah. And Steph Curry had that rap and Bradley Beal. Remember, he was so injury prone early on. But Zion's different, though. Like, like, mm-hmm. you know, Beal had all these lower body injuries. You're exactly right. That's a really good one. He had like a stress reaction. He had like ankles. Steph Curry, same deal. And beat obviously is, you know, seven footer. So that's always questionable. But like Zion's just like. His body is not normal, and it's very clear that he is not the type of guy that can keep himself in like immaculate shape. And so I, I think it's really interesting, right? Because I'm sure you've heard the stories about how, like, Charles Barkley, you know, Moses Malone, like, basically, like, kept him in the NBA. Like, he tried to eat his way out, and he started working out with Moses Malone, and he was able to kind of, like, get himself into really good shape and recognize that, and then towards the end of his career, you know, play a little bit heavier. But Zion's, like, 22, 23 already, and, like, yeah. he's, he's not... And he doesn't have it out. the size or, like, like, Shaq got heavy, but he was still seven feet. You know, he could yeah. still be the biggest, most dominant guy. Zion, that, that's a scary stat. Less than 30 games played per season. His contract now is going to pay him an average of $40 million a year. For you have to, you years. had to pay him. Like, I, I yeah. understand it. But, but like, if I get, asked you... If that holds, that's a mil, over a million dollars a game. Do you think he'll play... 42 games this year over 42. Games. I do actually. I'm still, I'm still bullish on them to be honest for the Embiid reason. Cause I was, we, you know, we famously said Embiid's like a house with like termites and it was going to fall apart eventually. And it hasn't so far. Sort At of, least, sort of it's false. Sure, but like, if you told me like you get three MVP quality seasons, outside, oh, yeah. I think the Pelicans would take it. They would take it. Embiid's house is a little bit rickety. Like there's, there's questionable termite damage, right? Like, but so 
you wanted to talk about Zion. The other the other question is, you know, two hundred and sixty. No, I didn't odd even sh- want to talk about Zion. He just no, no, somehow it came up. Two hundred and sixty odd shows. Would you say your life is better or worse since we met? Since it's two hundred and sixty odd oh. shows, but it's a lot more communication than that, and on a lot more things than just basketball. Like you had this hot take on Sunday that Zach Wilson is not the answer for the Jets, and I, I mean, I'm just curious. <laughs> did you not have an outlet for that take before you and I met? Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. If you bring up Zach Wilson, I know you're just joking around as you tend to do. But I, I say like one thing that I, I've tried to realize more as like an amateur analyst is like when to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, right? Yeah. It's giving up on the pedigree guy that you had high hopes for. And I'm not that we had high hopes for Zach Wilson, but some people did. I was going to say we we were probably yeah. pretty we could pull some yeah. audio of us, being but like our Josh crazy. Rosen, for example, or whatever, like guys that we were high on, and then you see them and they're just kind of clunkers, and then the second year is not good. And then it's I mean, like, it's happened in the NBA too, like you know, Josh but Jackson. That's, that was my one. point. Yeah. yeah, Josh Jackson, Marvin Bagley. I'm just like, it's not gonna really Romeo happen. Langford, like, but who who are you willing to do that? Because I, I think the guys that really don't get talked about in that way, not to go off script, but like. You know, Cam Reddish, I think people are there on. Uh, right? he's a, it's over, I think, right? Yeah. But what do you say about, like, R.J. Barrett, who's putting up numbers, but advanced stats are still not great? I've heard some Knicks fans say, like, he might be what's holding them back slightly. And then DeAndre Hunter in Atlanta, where it's like, again, like, he's putting up decent raw stats, but the advanced stats aren't great. And and meanwhile, they're still paying him and treating him. These guys like they're 20, 30 so do you think, players. So this is kind of an interesting this is an interesting topic, to be honest. So I would say, like, Zach Wilson is actively bad, right? Yes. Like, like he's just one of the worst quarterbacks, if not the worst quarterback in the NFL. You know, R.J. Barrett is just not You think star, he's just disappointing. Right? Like, he, yeah, he's just not a star. It's not like he's – like, Cam Reddish is a, is a good example, even though he was the 10th pick, not the second pick. But, like, Cam Reddish is this guy where you look at him and it's like, oh, man, he oozes potential. He always had, like, the Duke guys, Barrett – ironically Zion like they always said like Cam was this like the best player right in practice but this is who he's always been in the sense of like you look at him you're like man he's the guy and then he just isn't right but like those guys that you're talking about like they're not actively bad players so I don't think you can pull the well can I can I counter you on that if you believe in advanced stats I do believe in advanced stats okay box plus minus supposed to be your impact on a box game score on, on a team, you know, regardless of your teammates per hundred possessions, Deandre Hunter in his career is minus four and a half then plus one in the season. He barely played. He got hurt. And then the other last two seasons, longer seasons, minus 3.9 minus 3.3. He has a negative warp in each of the last two seasons and he's not young. He's 20. Those are age 24, age 25 seasons. So he has graded like a bad player but yeah okay that's that's fair do you think rj barrett is a bad player well let me check barrett like because i i don't yeah i mean like i think barrett also is sort of miss i don't know if he's the guy you know he's a high volume guy he's 20 points a game last couple seasons not a great shooter as we know he had that one like outlier season where it looked like he was turning a corner and it hasn't really happened since um, and let's see his, his advanced stats His true shooting last year was 53% well below average. And his box plus minus is similar. It was minus three last year, negative warp again. So it's just like, I think he's not a bad player, but like one of the reasons I will say for that is that like, 
he does play a lot of minutes too. So like you aren't protected. And yeah, the best players, obviously they'll have positive box plus minus, but like there is some probably like random noise in the fact that like he's playing an extra like four or five minutes with yeah. some other worse players. And it's also, you know, I don't know. The, the Knicks are pretty good, but not great. Yeah. Like, is he, you know, Julius Randle's an okay shooter, but not a great shooter. Like, is that like the ideal teammate for him? I don't know. If you were picking like a, if you were making the best version of RJ Barrett possible, I don't think you would pick Randall and Mitch Robinson next to him. Maybe I think you would want more spacing than that. No, I, I agree with that. And I do think if the Knicks had an opportunity to part with RJ Barrett, they probably should explore it. Right. Like I don't, but I do think that RJ Barrett is like a, a, like I personally think RJ Barrett is a, is an okay NBA player. Like I don't have a problem paying rj barrett 15 to 20 million dollars on the right team now like yeah if you could replace rj barrett with you know knicks are just trying to have all nova guys they signed ryan hart today too but like yeah if you could oh, replace wow. rj barrett with mikhail bridges like that'd be fantastic but that's not really how team building works right and so you know he he kind of is a good example i think of what you're trying to say though because well, yeah or like let's let's take guys who haven't even been productive in that same way like, would you throw out, like, I'm looking at the 2021 draft. Okay, so this is the okay. Cade Cunningham draft. Jalen Suggs is the fifth pick. Hasn't really put it together yet. He's been pretty bad. So do you, and they just drafted Anthony Black. So, like, do you think, would you wash your hands of him? Is he done or is he, like, do you have hope for him? So, no, I, I don't think I do, honestly. Um, I, I think that one of the problems with guys so, so the overall argument of this, by the way, though, is that it's like, when is the right time to not rely on potential anymore, right? Like, right. Like this that person sort is of bad. like Killian They're, Hayes thing where it's like, we're not even counting on you as a starter anymore. If it works out, great, but you're not part of our immediate plans. Yeah, so Suggs definitely got um, a bit better last year. He played less minutes. He played more games, less. He started less. The team was a little bit better. I guess I probably would continue with the Jalen Suggs exper- experiment. I think the book is over, though on Jalen Suggs being like a starting point guard in the NBA. Like, I don't, I don't think because coming out of the draft, you would have thought that was like the bare minimum for him. That's what you wanted him to be. Right. Like, but he's, you know, I I think he's, he had made like meaningful improvements on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, defensively, like everyone thought he could be like kind of a difference maker, but he does seem to me as kind of like a backup point guard, backup combo guard who can guard a, a bigger wing because he's got size, but like, He's probably never going to be a great shooter. I think his percentage went from like 22% to like 33%. And that's like a very meaningful gain. But then that next like 33% to like 38% so that people like respect you off the bounce. Like that doesn't seem like it's something in the cards for him. Also, like he he regressed a little bit as a playmaker last year, just in the sense that like he had the ball in his hands less, which is probably a good thing, I think, for him, right? But you know, assist percentage down. He just seems like a rotation guy to me, which is okay, but you don't want about, that with the fifth pick, right? Like, right. What about the Warriors guys we're talking about? Wiseman, they kind of gave up on, and then they Kaminga, definitely gave up on Wiseman. He, he's not on their team anymore. No, I know, but like he also had a big salary. Kaminga, two mediocre seasons, but he's not even 21 yet. He's turning 21 in October. 
Yeah, I think, think he should be part of the rotation. Do you think he should be, you know, I mean, he's I not think they start, but they need to try to play him. I think Kaminga's problem is so, so the, the issue, this is like less cut and dry, I think, in football, which is why it's funny. Like Zach Wilson is a quarterback or he is nothing, right? Like That's there's true. no there's no other position Zach Wilson could play. We know he's a bad quarterback. It wouldn't stun me if Zach Wilson was out of the league in like three years, right? Like, or he's in C- the CFL. I don't know. Whatever. Kaminga like thinks he's like a two. And it's like, you're probably, you need to probably be Draymond Green. And obviously that's easier said than done, but like maybe a four. And so for a guy like Kaminga, like he can score in the NBA. Like I I think he shows scoring chops, but he just doesn't want to like be a role player. And so I I could see like not giving up on Kaminga because of that, right? Because like he fits a role. Like Moses Moody seems to me like he's just not athletic enough to play in the NBA. We talked about this at the time, like, Great shooter, but he's kind of slow. He's injury prone. He's a little doughy. Like, it is who he is. But, like, Kaminga, he may be the type of guy that, you know, if it's not going to work in Golden State, it probably won't work anywhere, to be honest. But he might need a change of scenery to realize, like, oh, shit, uh, I maybe am going to be out of the league. Or, like, this maybe isn't going to work for me unless I decide to be a little different. And that's all I've ever heard is that, like, Kaminga is just very stubborn about, like, who he is as a basketball player. And so he's a guy that I wouldn't really want to give up on because – I think the talent's there and the way the NBA plays now, but, you know, not to like, we haven't talked about Kevin Porter, but at a certain point, like somebody is who they are. Right. And I think that that's the, yeah. that's, the that's probably the more relevant conversation. Cause you're right. You're, you made a good point where it makes it a little irrelevant in the sense that like you do not need, it's not all or nothing where it's like, if Kaminga is not a starter, he could still play 20 minutes a night. That's fine. And you don't have to not play a guy. I, the guys that I think are more in that boat of like, it's like I Isaac O'Connor was like a bad player. He's just a bad <laughs> NBA player, right? What about like a Johnny Davis type? Like, do you even Man, he stinks, but play him in a rebuilding season next year? Or yeah, you have to you have to play him, right? Like you yeah. just absolutely have to play him. And that's one of the other things, by the way, about this that's funny. Like the NBA, it's much more it's much different, right? In in baseball and football, like you can you can kind of roll guys out, and if they're bad, like it might not totally affect you unless it's like a specific position, right? But like in basketball, like you just are all bad, I guess. Baseball may be the same, but football, like the Jets think they can make the playoffs. They cannot make the playoffs with Zach Wilson, right? They just can't. But like you could get away with playing Johnny Davis 80 games next year for the Wizards, yeah. and it just doesn't really matter, right? Like, sure, well, maybe you don't a- make the maybe you don't make the playing game, but also maybe you get a better pick. I don't know. So it like, seemed like a haphazard discussion. This is all a clever way of getting into the Kevin Porter thing, which I think we should mention at least, right? I mean, oh, I mean, is, is he just done? Or are we, why are you writing him off? So I'm trying to remember. Kevin Porter was the first round pick, right? He was the 30th pick. By Wait, yeah, if you don't, if you didn't hear the news, he got arrested for assault. The details are pretty. It's a really like, dis- disturbed. It's a bad story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not not that like any assault is not a bad story, but like the details are graphic for sure. And the, and the sad part is like not to like make light of the situation, but if you had like a fantasy pool on like who's the most likely to do this, like I mean, be on top, a first round pick, be up there. Yeah, I think. So the Kevin Porter thing is really interesting. I just want to comment on a couple things that have happened with it. Uh, one, I don't understand why Kevin Porter isn't just like automatically on the restricted list. Like I I, I know that the league the season is not happening at the moment. Like it's off season, but like. I don't know why the Rockets didn't cut him. Like, I, yeah. I, I, get, I, do, I do. Well, he's under contract, right? But his deal is weird. You said it yourself. Yeah, that's why. Like, like so, I don't want to hold on a second. I don't want to yeah. talk about like the mechanics of his contract in light of this, because like, 
I just well, that's what they're doing. Though. We're going. Like we're going to talk about. But I'm saying I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like Kevin Porter deserves any of the benefit of the doubt, right? Like I, I get we're going to talk about this from a basketball light, but this is a terrible story, right? So I think that the Rockets think they're doing the right thing from a business perspective, and maybe they are. I personally think they're doing the wrong thing. Is all I want to say before we get into this. Sure. So the interesting part of the from a contractual standpoint is like he was you know, a bad egg problem child before this. Yeah. And so as a result, even though he puts up numbers, you know, they were able to sign him to this contract that was very unusual. It was a long-term contract, about like 20 million a year. And only this season, I think, is guaranteed. So it's really like dangling 20 million in fake money for trade purposes. And so a team could unload a contract and then cut Porter after this year. And then get cap relief. So I think the Rockets are thinking that might be a carrot for some team to trade for not him, but that contract. Correct. And you're saying like, you think it's kind of disqueasy to even use him for that purpose. I just like, my thing is if I'm the NBA, like I, so, so I don't know this for a fact. Okay. So I just want to like make very clear. I think it's very dubious that they would even allow a Kevin Porter trade to go through right now, because here's the thing. If the Rockets attached an, a, an unprotected first round pick to Kevin Porter's contract, every team in the league would trade for him. I guarantee it because it's just like it's his asset and you're going to cut the guy anyway. Right. Yeah. Like he, he is totally toxic. Like he's not playing. And, I, you know, Kevin Porter is 23 years old right now. And I would say, you know, granted, in terms of like criminality in his career, there hasn't been anything like this. Right. Like he had some. Yeah. He had some immaturity things in the past, like some, you know, I mean, marijuana, stuff like that, like which you would expect. Right. Mm -hmm. But there has always been questions about, like, can Kevin Porter keep it together? Like, well, he got kicked out of USC, I think. And then he got. Yeah, they had a Cavs dumped him for free. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that, in my opinion, if they were able to trade Kevin Porter, I think the league would say, like, no, like, we're not doing this right now. Like, this guy is not someone who's going to play in a game. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think they should be able to do anything with Kevin Porter right now. Like I understand the contract, but like, here's the thing. If he gets convicted, they don't have to pay him his contract anyway. There's no way like he has a partial guarantee. And I think his contract is actually fully guaranteed this season. Correct. Yes. For this season. Yeah. And then partial guarantee, then a total non-guarantee in the next year and then a club option. Right. So, but if like, there's no way that they got this contract structure and he doesn't have a morality clause in his contract. Right. So if he goes to jail and I don't know if he will go to jail, domestic abuse cases are always very odd in terms of like, are they going to go to court? Is there going to be a settlement or, you know, charges going to be dropped? It's, you know, the allegedly the details are very concerning. I just don't think the NBA should allow something like this to happen. Like I was so embarrassed for shams that he tweeted that the Rockets were like trying to trade Kevin Porter with draft compensation. It's like, dude, come on. Like, I I get that your job is to like, make it seem like the Rockets are like a a reasonable front office and you want to protect your sources. But like, to me, this situation is much bigger than that. And I'm disappointed in the league to just say like, look, put the guy on the exempt list or whatever. I don't know what it's called in the NBA, but like, and, and have it be like, you know, you can't play until we know what's going on because this is not like it's we've talked about this before it's not the league's like it's not the league's edict to like determine like criminal charges right right? but he's getting suspended regardless like even if the charges are dropped he's going to get suspended based on a domestic abuse policy so like it's going to 
to happen. And so why, that, why is this even a thing, Zan? Well, and then also I've heard some people on Reddit and other places say, like, what's the difference between this and Miles Bridges, who is going to play this year? Is that Bridges's case, first of all, he didn't have like the history of like issues, but also as far as we know, maybe he did behind the scenes. But yeah, as far as we know, for sure. Like criminal criminality wise, like his case is basically resolved. I looked into it. He had three charges, two of them were dropped. One of them he pled no contest to we're talking about a, Miles Bridges. He missed an entire season, by yeah. The way. He, and he already had like this sort of suspension, right. sort of suspension. So like he's like clear now. Like so, he's he is on probation. He's not he has no charges hanging over his head. Correct. Like, let's be clear. If that happened in Kevin Porter's case and he was cleared of all charges or the charges were dropped and he sat out an entire year, I would expect him to play. I would expect him to get the opportunity to play. I don't know. I would say to me, Zan, this is kind of a, I don't even know how many strikes I would say that Kevin Porter's actually had, what we would classify as strikes. I would not take the risk of having Kevin Porter on my team. Next. Yeah. And, and also like in a way, I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise, but like, I think it's going to be a good thing for the Rockets long-term to kind of just get rid of him. Just cause it's like, they, they had this, they had too many like difficult personalities, kind of like non-winning, non-serious p- young players. You don't need five of those guys. Were you, you not know? excited to see like Fred Van Vliet, Kevin Porter and Dylan Brooks? All yeah. On the same I, team? I, and that was the idea. Like, let's, I'm not saying, I don't think Fred Van Vliet's, a troubling person to have. He's just a tough kid. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but that's what kid. they want. They want to like straighten out those kids, send them to boot camp. But like you already had that with Jalen Green. You're, you know, you, that's a project. Jabari Smith needs to get tougher. Right. But Jalen Green's like a great kid, though. Like yeah, he's not like but a he's problem. Kind of goofy. <laughs> he's oh, oh a okay. Silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we'll see. I think they're going to be better off in the long run. But that's interesting. Just like, what do you do? And then like, I was thinking, I was going to make the statement, which turned out not to be true, where it's like, there's not that many bad like egg guys that actually end up rewarding the team for their faith. You know, it seems like almost all the NBA stars have like good work ethics, good personalities, stay clean about that. in the last 20 years. The only no, most notable exception, I think obviously we're going to is John Morant this year. Cause I don't even think his things were that serious. Honestly, I'm surprised he got suspended for so long, but he's the one guy where it's like, I'm, we're trying to deal with his personality. So I do think though, you're talking about like in current, 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 yeah, the last twenty years. I, and I think LeBron and like Steph, I like a big influence on that. Where it's like, it's not cool to like get charges right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there hasn't been a ton of, you know, like those, like Pistons Pacers, obviously, but like Stephen Jackson had a lot of stuff go on that, like he's kind of talked about in the past. You know, they, I guess Allen Iverson, like definitely, yeah, he counts. went to jail, right? I mean. I mean, that the whole like excluding his like high school um, situation, which, you know, just watch the 30 for 30 uh, rather than, you know, like us like litigating it. But I mean, I think there have been a couple. I do think, though. I would say at this point, teams do as much homework as they can. Right. But I also think the league is very. The league is like very much adamant about this behind the scenes, right? And so while you're saying that like John Morant got suspended, what did he get suspended for? 25 games? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. I think that's probably pretty light, to be honest. Only but like he didn't league. do anything illegal as far as I know. No, no, right? but the leagues, they, they care so much about their image now, right? Mm. I mean, we were going to talk about this like NBA rest policy, right? Because that's how much mm. they care about their image. Is like no, they don't that's want true. They, they, they aren't tied the together, right? So, it's all optics. So. Like. 
John Morant, like, taking a gun on the team plane, allegedly taking a gun on the team plane, is a huge, like, issue for the NBA, right? Whether or not it's a crime for him to own a registered gun is one thing, right? Like, it's it's not. It's not. It's it's not even a crime for him to have a gun in, like, a strip club if it's a, allowed to be a concealed carry and it's a, you know, he purchased it legally. Like, that's fine, but the NBA cares about John Morant not projecting the image of somebody who's just carrying a gun around and showing off for it with it, right? Like that, I think, is the bigger problem is like the optics of John Morant, who's supposed to be, you know, one of your young stars. Like that's not the image the league wants to convey. And so while I agree with you that like perhaps John Morant isn't like I think John Morant internally is like struggling with his own identity, if that makes sense. But like the league doesn't want John Morant to be the face of their league, you know, in a strip club, like brandishing a gun with like tons of singles on the floor. That's just not the image they want to project. Right. And, and so, it's like, it, you know, it used to be not that it was like, and when I say it's not cool anymore, it's like you, you're a little younger than me, but that was sort of like the nineties. Like, yeah. Right. Like, like you would see like video, like music videos and stuff. And like, it, that was the thing I agree. And that's yeah. what the, the league is trying to get away from that. Right. And so while we talk about John Morant, I, I don't think John Morant is a bad egg. Well, I, I will say, honestly, I, I didn't think he was a bad egg, but like the stuff about him, like intimidating people and like fighting high school kids, like that was surprising to read. Right. Yeah. But I think like it's important for him and for the league to make sure that that doesn't go any further. And now the other thing at play here, by the way, John Morant is quite a bit better than Kevin Porter. Like yes. the league doesn't, in my opinion, the league will stand their ground and say like they do care about this but like the league doesn't really care if kevin porter's not in the league anymore i think they do care about john moran certainly the market like keeping that franchise afloat in terms of like you know visibility and then what do you think like tying it to that the optics of the rest policy i know you were fired up about it I, it's not that I'm what just... is the policy so you can't if you are labeled a star okay their standards so their standards you made an all nba team or an all-star team within the last three years you count as a star player so there, you can't rest there's certain days you're allowed to rest or days you're not allowed to rest. okay so you have to manage your roster to it so there's there's i believe there's five things let me just make sure i have it open literally in front of me okay five things you uh, cannot have multi in, unless like, okay, for example, like, let's say you have one star that has a season ending injury and another star like has a high ankle sprain, like that is acceptable, right? Like, it's okay, if they're really injured. But you cannot rest somebody, you can't have multiple star players unavailable for rest reasons. You must manage your roster to ensure no more than one star player is unavailable for the same game. So that's any game. Uh, your star players must be available for any national TV and in-season tournament game. You cannot have a star out for rest for that reason. Um, there has to be a home and road balance. So you must maintain a balance between the number of one-game absences for a star player in road games and one-game absences for a star player in home games with the preference that these occur in home games so that people get to see stars on the road. Um, shutdowns. Teams must refrain from long-term shutdowns whereby a star player ceases participating in games or begins to play a material reduced role in circumstances affecting the integrity of the game. And then uh, a player resting... shut down like Dame Lillard last year. Yeah, with a strained Achilles. Uh, And then a player resting. Teams must, if arresting a healthy player, ensure the player is present at games and visible to fans. So you can't just like skip a road trip, right? Um, 
I think this is funny. I think like the league at the very least, I appreciate the league just being like, look, we care about players playing. It's better for our bottom line. Like they haven't tried to like, you know, there's no mumbo jumbo here about like why they need to do it. It's, it's like very obvious that the league wants star players to play and they're tired of load management. Right. And so I think it's, Fine. I think it's a weird precedent. But what's the penalty? So let's say the Clippers. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's, so there's a lot more of a, it says to compl- to promote, uh, to promote compliance with the requirements above the policy will involve legal office investigations, including independent medical review and related determinations regarding oh, wow. player avail- availability. Uh, and those would include like inconsistent statements, multiple player absences in the same game, national TV and in-season tournament games. Um, so the league office will investigate and impose discipline with respect to those circumstances. But it doesn't say that there's no in. explicit like no. and there you are lose some, a draft pick or not. There are some caveats, right? Um, you there is a league approved restriction for back to back. So like if you, you can sit certain players on back to backs, like if you've played more than thirty four thousand regular season and playoff minutes or more than one thousand regular season and playoff games played, you're allowed to sit a back to back. That's OK. Well, I'm conflicted about that now that you read the whole rules because I think two things. I mean, there's there's so many more. Like, there's, right. this is they huge... clearly like put a lot of thought into this, and I think number one, it seems like ridiculously stupid. You know, to me, like, how are you going to really tell if somebody's resting because they kind of feel sore in their foot, or you know, they're actually resting for load management? It's going to be impossible to like really legislate that stuff. And also, I think it's just like a typical LA NBA league office overreaction to the, the you know the media narrative of the week like an uh, the other example is like the idea that you have to play 65 games for trophies or awards because you know it was getting backlash against that i thought that was such like a stupid arbitrary rule that felt it like is, very it reactionary is. It is although i did read that that, that only applies to some awards Correct. Notably, it does not apply to rookie of the year if you're if you're betting on Victor Wembanyama. You could he could play sixty games and still win. But He's not going to play sixty games. I think the more you read that, it makes me think it, this is more policing the sort of flaunting of load. Yeah, the the like Greg Popovich sitting like jokes about it, or like and Tim Duncan and putting that they're old, right? Which is fine. Like you can do that, but like you don't need to like. Right. That that is like poking the bear, and I think they're trying to stop that in the same way they try to stop tampering. Like, hey, Magic, you're not allowed to make a joke about tampering on the so, Jimmy Kimmel show or whatever it was. Um, I, I will say the like, punishments like that. I scrolled down enough to see what the punishments are. Mm-hmm. So, first violation, teams find a hundred thousand dollars. Second violation, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, and then any subsequent violation is a million more than the previous penalty. So. The third events would be 1.25 million, then 2.25 million, 3.25 million. So, so but it, it is a ridiculous idea in the sense that, like, let's say you're Portland last year, you're out of the playoffs, you have a month left to go, your your star player is 33 or 34 years old. You're telling me I have to go trot him out every night? Not every night, just to appease this rule. Not every night, but some nights. Yeah, and then and then so, people have mentioned too, I like, can he just go in there and play ten minutes and go home? I mean, definitely like, can do that, and I yeah. think that will be so. That that's probably like you have to have like, oh man, this is a long this is a long document, which I did read, but so the league at the league's discretion for this anyway, right? So, like, it might be a situation where Portland's like, all right, we're going to play Dame 15 minutes, but 
you know, he's on a pitch count, right? Yeah. And the league would probably say like, all right, fine. That's fine, right? Because they're not trying to like really ruffle any feathers, I don't think. And then they are, it does say there is um, end of season flexibility. Teams will be afforded okay. additional flexibility to manage their roster in a reasonable manner at the end of the regular season. Uh, I, e.g. to rest a star player in the team's like last regular season game after a team has clinched a playoff seed or rest a pre-approved player with a prior Caesar, serious or unusual injury in the like last couple of games of the season. So that that's interesting. Like, you know, and I think the reason the players, it might be effective in that regard is like, we've seen it. Players would rather rest full games than play 10 minutes a night because they don't want to affect their season averages. That's probably, that might be true. That might be true. Yeah. Especially for guys that have like incentives, right? You'd either rather not play or play a full game. Right. Like, I don't think Joel Embiid wants to play 10 minutes and then lose like MVP because his stats don't look as good. He, <laughs> it's, it's, so- it's just sort of like the nature of how we do stats. Like he can rest 15 games and it like effectively like doesn't affect his stats, which is silly, but. I wonder, I do really wonder for sure about like these kind of injuries, right? Because I think we would both agree that over the course of a season, there is going to be no player that will have zero nicks and bumps, right? Yeah. Like, so you don't have to be like specifically injured, but like there are probably, you know, 15 to 25% of the league that has some sort of like nagging injury they're playing through when they need to play, right? Mm. So like, what what do you think like the line's going to be? Like, what if you tweak your ankle like a week well, can prior you, make you play up, like, and then you decide you're like, you're getting not in play. your third, you're in your thirties now. Like, can you, if you wanted to get out of playing, couldn't you make up like 10 excuses for your uh, body or your mental health or whatever? hundred percent. And that's another one, like mental health. Like, yeah. does that count? Like, what if somebody's like, Hey, I'm just not, you know, I need a mental health day. Like at my regular nine to five job, not the podcast, you're not as, as understanding, but <laughs> if I want to take a PTO day because like, I just don't feel like working, I can do that. Right. Yeah. So like if an NBA, God player bless. Says, so yeah. I, I mean, if I was an employer in like 1920s, I would love to explain that to like Henry Ford. Like he's not, he's not really feeling good. Today. Well, he, but, yeah. Out. They didn't really have any PTO days. And there was like nine year olds working on like the assembly. <laughs> but like, but, but, but Dan, seriously, like, let's say, let's just pick a, a specific guy. Let's pick LeBron. Okay. Like he's yeah. a good example for this. Let's say LeBron has played like three straight games and he's playing a national TV game on the road at Denver. And LeBron's yeah. just like, you know what? It's high altitude. I don't want to play tonight. Can they put like mental health? No, yeah. they can't. There's no well, way, right? Well, how are you going to police that? I, I think the the league is saying you could say that, but then don't, you know, give contradictory you, statements. You think it's like the trainer says like LeBron is sitting out like fifth metacarpal injury. That's fine. In, in your opinion, or they might just have to like list it differently instead of saying load management, like, or, you know, old or whatever, you know, like yeah. just be like, Hey, he, whatever his like prevailing injury history is. Yeah. Like, so do, like, so do like what the NHL does where it's like upper body or lower body. Basically. Right. I mean, yeah. it's so silly. And it's, it's just like, you know, you're policing something that is a problem. That's so organic to the, the nature of your sport. It it's really, just, it really is right. Like that it is just based on, this it's just it's like a flawed on- system and people have said like you're playing 82 games a lot of them don't matter the majority of the teams make the playoffs it's just like it's you have a regular season that doesn't matter and you're trying to like make pretend, sure it like slap people's wrist to pretend it but matters if you know. look at the other sports that have like really long seasons too like in baseball like 
nobody bets an eye if like a team plays Saturday night and then good players don't play on Sunday if they have like a one o'clock game. Like nobody cares, right? Not a, not one person will be like, oh man, it's a Sunday. Like Mike Trout's not playing. You know, maybe Shohei Otani if you like bought expensive tickets, but like nobody really cares about that, right? Because it's just like that's what you've done. You know, soccer is another thing where like if you play in a bunch of competitions, you might play 60 or 70 games a year. And like people rotate their teams all the time and nobody yeah. cares. I think maybe it's the right way to go. Maybe I'm an old dog, but I do bristle at when the NBA feels like so reactionary to the news cycles because it's like they change so much. The this media is, is just looking for stuff to talk about. This has been such a long time coming too, because there is there, there truly was like, you know, now I, I think in baseball, right. People are complaining that like pitchers don't pitch through like the sixth inning anymore. Right. And, and some do, but most don't. But in basketball, it's like we played every day, right? And sure, they're – I mean, I think Allen Iverson had a year where he played like 42 and a half minutes a game or something. Will Chamberlain well, had a year well, where uh, Yeah, it was kind of funny when you said like LeBron's played three straight games. It's like Carl Malone played 82 when he was 40 years old. No, no, and, and, and that's not nice. to say that it's different. But we also know that it's not necessarily better, right? Like you want Jokic to be able to play 45 minutes a game in the playoffs. You don't need Jokic to play – 45 minutes a game for 82 games prior to that so like i'm not saying that i have a problem with it i just i I agree with you like this seems very reactionary about a problem that actually like improves the nba's like golden child product which is their playoffs like this is like like, there have been injuries but there would be more injuries if they all played 45 minutes a night uh one last thing before we go I, i think we should mention it kelly Oubre signs with the sixers does that move the needle? Does it move the needle backwards? Like, what do you think? Because they're a title um, contender right I now. It seems fun. like Harden's I don't think staying. they're. I don't think they're a title contender. If James mm-hmm. Harden's not going to play on the team, like I don't think they're a title contender. I really just don't. But doesn't um, it seem like he's playing? I mean, where's he? Going? I have no. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> he said he's not going to suit up. So <laughs> I, I don't think we have any reason to not believe James Harden. But now the Sixers are going to get fined for him not playing. So it's really tough. You know, they just have James Harden pay their fines. Um, Uber was probably the best wing available, like on a reasonable deal. I think it's okay. Is I he going to start? You think or not? He's si- the size to start, but maybe he's better as like a bench scorer. I would prefer him off the bench. I think. Um, I think Uber is a good player. I think he's a fine rotation player. I think it makes the Sixers better. Um, they have like six centers on their roster, so they obviously needed some wing help. But I don't think this is like a needle mover type move, right? Yeah, and in fact, like I think there's arguments that he is a negative. Again, not to overdo the advanced stats, but he has been a negative box plus minus every single year of his career. And a lot of that's on bad teams, but not exclusively. Like and I and I think the most notable one to me is always like he was on Phoenix, he was starting on Phoenix for that young team, Booker, you know, Devin Booker team. And then he got injured, didn't go to the bubble. And that's when that really tide turned for them. They won whatever, like 12 games in a row in the bubble. And the, you know, the team got good, notably when he left the team. And he's been on some really bad teams. And I think he contributes to some of that badness. So it's just more of like, is that circumstantial? Same with Christian Wood, where it's like you put him around talented teammates, see what he can do. But I'm not optimistic. I think uh yeah, I actually think the Christian Wood signing for the Lakers is probably more of a 
like swing than Uber. Like, I just don't see, like, there's no scenario for me where Uber is like so amazing that the Sixers are a title contender. I just don't see that happening. Like maybe Christian Wood around LeBron and Anthony Davis, like is really good and gives them like that third, fourth score that they need. And the guy that can like profit their offense, but like, be honest with me, Sam, like, you don't, you know what? I'll be honest too. The other thing, and I do have one more question I want to ask you before we wrap, okay, but sure. the other thing with Kelly Oubre is like the way the Sixers play and the way Embiid has the ball, like he mutes wing performance. So like, mm-hmm. even if you do think Oubre is going to be great and I do think he's, you know, a very good transition player. Um, I think like DHOs from the left side are very good for him. Uh, I do think he's not a great defender. I think like people talk him up like he can really defend. I think he's like more of a false hustle defender than anything else. But like, I just think like you you need the right type of wings and he's not the guy that like is going to space the floor and be like yeah. just a straight line cutter for MB, which is what you need. And so I, I just don't, I don't see this being like a, I think it's a good signing. It's, it's, it's good for the Sixers. It makes them better, but I don't see it making them like, well, you know, I wrote a little thing actually on those two guys because they were the big name free agents. And I said, like, they're not winning players. Like, they've never been winning players. And, like, you, the guy who averages 20 points a game on below average efficiency is not, like, a winning player. At the same time, they're helpful if your star gets hurt or is not playing or James Harden's not playing because you might need a guy to go in there and score 20 points. On For sure. And he can do that. They can do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question. NBA yes. Jam. Arguably the worst episode of this show we ever did, apparently, was the NBA Jam tournament. However, game 30-year anniversary, as the league has changed into 2023, give me your top three NBA Jam teams. Just two. You don't need to pick a sub. I think Okay, so you're saying you have the two-man roster that would two- work in NBA Jam. I would have to say, because if you're playing NBA Jam, you want a shooter and you want like a big man, right? Or a guy who can block shots. I mean, I think I know guy. the best roster, right? Well, I wonder if it would be – I would look at Minnesota maybe just because Anthony Edwards would be really fun. Ooh, Anthony Edwards and Cat would be a lot of fun. but Yeah, because Cat can shoot. You know, not many big men who can shoot. I, defensively, I don't know. I, can you really block shots in NBA Jam? No, not really. I mean, there were people that were good at NBA Jam, but I wasn't one of them. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really do much defensively. But you're saying like a guy like Jokic is probably not like dominant in NBA Jam. Yeah, I don't think like Denver – like Denver, you might do Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, honestly, yeah. before so you. That do would be game. my pick. That's the first guys I thought of. What? Um, or the Lakers, maybe if they give LeBron a boost and then Anthony Davis. No, okay, LeBron oh, and Anthony Davis. Really no, well. Durant and Booker. Isn't that the best one? Yeah, you're right. They can That's both fair. like light it up. Durant and Booker, I think, is the one that like would be really good. And then Tatum and Brown, probably right. That's the other. Yeah. Those are, those so basically, are, similar to real life in that regard. And then maybe Steph Curry and. What about like the the best bad team? Like Minnesota almost qualifies, but like the team that's not good in Kuzma real life. Kuzma and Jordan Poole. <laughs> Poole would be good at NBA Kuz, GM, Kuzma right? and Jordan Poole. I honestly think like, and also like Zion and like CJ McCollum would be like a lot of fun probably. But, Paolo Benchero would be good in NBA Jam too, I bet. Yeah, like Paolo and Franz. That seems probably not very good. That's a, that's a bad team. Oh, I, how do you deal with an NBA Jam like Victor Wimbanyama or Chet? You I know, mean, like those guys would be, like Shea and Chet would be good. Keldon Johnson and Victor would be pretty fun. Like Victor, like because you know it's just like a, a function of like computer games. Where <laughs> if, if you're that tall, you block every shot. Probably it right? doesn't work like that though. Nobody blocks shots. All right, I'm going. I'm I'm making my picks. I'm going Durant and Booker, and then I'm going. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going Durant and Booker, and I'm going Tatum and Brown. That's fair. I, I'm going to go Minnesota just because I have them on my mind. They're playing in some you know foreign game coming up. 
And uh, I like the idea of Shay and Chet. That would be a fun deal. Shay and Chet. You got to stick with that. All right. That's it for us this week. We'll be back uh, next week. More comments about Zach Wilson, I hope, because that is a, you know, a train wreck you can't look away from. He is uh, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show, Ellison at gmail.com. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.